the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. It's a brand new week. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your questions, Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, anything that's on your heart, just pick up the phone and dial 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. And as always, if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen, You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, I hope you had a really good day at church yesterday. We did a lot of people, and and uh, it's just it's the best part of the week to be together with the people of God. And and uh, I just pray that the Lord is moving at your heart. We had some people get saved yesterday, and um, you know every day that happens, we're one person closer to Jesus coming back for us. So um, we just keep praying for people to get saved. Um, tonight here at Calvary Chapel, we've got our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies going on at 7 o'clock. Everybody can come as a family, and then you can separate into your groups. But tonight, uh, Sweet Summer Devotions continues. Jenny Manuel will be sharing uh, tonight, and I'm interested to hear because, you know, this is one of the opportunities I get to know a little bit to learn a little bit more about people and what God has done in their heart and how they got where they are. So that is tonight at 7 o'clock. Ladies, you can watch on Cal- live stream on calvarysa.com. Uh, it's always better to be here because uh, at this point we can have uh, um, conversation. We, we don't broadcast the Q&A time afterwards. So that's tonight at 7 o'clock. Also, we've been, we started with our uh, Calvary Kids Bible School, which is uh, our vacation Bible school uh, program. And that was today. We had a ton of kids here and they were really, really noisy and they ate a lot. Um, but they were doing really, really well. So uh, just for anybody that's interested, it's kindergarten through sixth grade, and it's free. We don't charge anything. It's free. Uh, all you have to do is show up and sign your kids. It doesn't matter whether or not we're your church home. We would just love to have you um, let your kids hear about Jesus and have a blast while they're doing it. Tomorrow, Paula will be... No, that's it's not Monday. It's Wednesday. Okay, Paula will not be with me tomorrow. Um, see, after three services on Sunday, one on Friday night, uh, I, I can't remember even what day it is anymore. So all of that's on the agenda. So let's get to questions while we await your phone calls. Uh, the first question comes from um, an anonymous um, caller. Uh, Pastor Ron, you tell us many times when we're listening to a sermon, we should be looking into our 
own hearts and searching our hearts, applying the word to our own individual situation. Um, that we shouldn't be thinking, you know, this message is for my spouse or friend. I hope they're listening. However, is it still okay to think about another person who I know is dealing or not dealing with the point you're teaching on insofar as I know that they're dealing with it and that they've asked me to pray for them about that said issue? I hope the question makes sense. Thank you. Anonymous, it makes perfect sense. Um, let me explain. You obviously come to Calvary Chapel. Um, you know, one of the things that pastors just hate is when people uh, are they're hearing a message and there's a, a, a moment of conviction and they think, you know, my wife needed to hear that and my husband needed to hear that. Um, and, and so the, the focus is, God, what do you want to say to me? Now, in the situation that you uh, indicate, uh, Anonymous, if somebody has already brought you in their confidence, they've asked you to pray, um, then then you might follow up and say, you know, what Pastor Ron touched on this issue. We've been talking about it. I'm still praying for you. How are you doing? Or you can follow up without, um, you know, being too pushy or anything else. But, yeah, continue to pray for them. And um, um, maybe that will open a, an area of discussion. And uh, perhaps the two of you can talk and pray. And, and the Lord will always um Use his Holy Spirit to draw people closer to him. So, yeah, I, I think that would, that's fine to do. And and uh, I just don't want people thinking that uh, the person that they brought needs to hear it. And so they're not able to listen. Thank you for that question. I appreciate it very, very much. Here's a question I've never had before. Uh, and that's after the, we're, we're starting our 11th year. Uh, so that's that's a, saying a lot. It's also anonymous. It should churches be keeping records of who gives what? And do you keep a record of what people give, even your employees? Um, you know, churches keep records of who gives what. Uh, and the reason we do that is because we want to be able to pass on the tax benefit to those who are going to seek it. Uh, at the end of the year, every year, um, our office manager, we we make an announcement that if you want um, a, a giving statement reflecting the amount that you gave for tax deduction purposes, um, we have a, a sign-up sheet on the window of her office, and, uh, and she'll get that for them electronically or a hard copy, whatever they need. But Anonymous, that's the only reason that we keep a record. Um, uh, personally, uh, I don't know who gives what. Um, I open the mail uh, most of the time, and so if money comes in the mail, I see that. Uh, but I can't even see, so I look. I don't look at the name on the check or, or anything. I just look at the amount. I keep hoping that that bazillion dollar check is going to come in, but uh, I just uh, I don't know uh, who gives what. So me personally, uh, not only do I not know, I don't want to know who gives what. Uh, and the same thing is true with our staff, our employees. Uh, we're paying them, and believe me, we're not paying them a lot. Um, every single person that works here at Calvary Chapel, I think we've got a payroll staff of, oh, 32 or 33 people. Uh, every single one of those people could be making a whole lot more money. I mean, a whole lot more money uh, doing something in the private sector uh, because that's the kind of skill level that they have and the, the kind of competency that they they demonstrate. Um, but um, they're, they're working here is a sacrifice. And so we don't even talk to them about giving. Now, I'm certain that they do. Uh, I, I'm only I say that because I, I know them. But but what they give and how much they give, that's between them and the Lord. And honestly, for our 28 plus years here, that's been our approach to giving uh, from the beginning. Um, what somebody gives is is just between them and the Lord. Uh, they answer to him and not to me. And really, the only involvement I have in in uh, the the giving record is the total amount of money. I want to know how much we've got in. I know how much we need to spend. Uh, and I'm just hoping those two things match up. And often they don't. So um, uh, I just, again, giving is between you and the Lord. It ought to be done in private. And um, even the people that we have count here, we've got a counting ministry. Uh, they understand that it's a, a money in and then money out. Once once they count it, once they accumulate it, 
uh, and prepare it for for uh, our deposit the following day. Um, they forget all about it, and uh, and uh, we do everything that we can to protect the privacy of those who give. But as for testing their faithfulness or or um, you know saying, well, I don't think you're giving enough, we would never, ever, ever anonymous do that. Thank you for that question. Here's a question from Rex. He said, a couple of years ago, a pastor at Bill Johnson's church prayed and fasted for more than a week, believing that God would raise um, the dead person uh, to life. Does that still happen today? Um, Rex, let me just say, anything and everything uh, you you see going on at Bethel Church, that's where Bill Johnson is the pastor, and he's got a whole staff of people. It's a very, very large church. Uh, everything you see going on is is terrible, just just awful. So um, um, it doesn't surprise me that they have this kind of goofy stuff going on. But clearly, that's somebody who is on staff who who doesn't really understand their Bible nor care to know. And I understand the emotion behind wanting somebody to come back. That's the most selfish thing we could do if, if somebody's with Jesus. Paul and I have talked about this. Don't pray me back. If if I go to, to be with the Lord, not that that would happen, but this is just the kind of crazy charismatic nonsense that a lot of people go to. I did read an article on that, and after a couple of months, uh, there was a follow-up. And if, if, if memory serves, it was a, uh, a female worship leader, uh, pastor that they have at their church. And um, uh, it's just consistent with all of the silliness that goes on. At, at Bethel Church. So, Rex, don't give credibility to anything at all that happens there. 340-9585. Here is another anonymous question. They want to know if cosmetic surgery sin. Um, no. No. You want to look better and you think that helps you look better? That's between you and the Lord. So, no, it's not sin at all. I don't even think particularly it's vanity. What I tell people all the time, and it goes for cosmetic surgery and tattoos and and, and anything that's related to this, I just tell people to, to really check your motive. Make sure your heart's right with God. Uh, make sure that your motive for doing something like that is is to honor the Lord. Uh, again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to look better or or to to smooth out some wrinkles, or or uh, um, I've had questions about uh, 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 breast surgery, things like that. That's between you and Lord. Anything not of faith is sin. Romans fourteen twenty three says, and you're free to do uh, all of that. Just make sure that vanity is not your motive. And I don't think it's vain to say, well, I think that would make me look younger. I don't think, or I think that would make me look better. That's not the kind of vanity I'm talking about. I mean, the kind of vanity that gets obsessive about these things. I think we need to be careful of that. But anonymous, you are free to have cosmetic surgery. If uh, you pray and the Lord says it's okay, then go for it and do it for your, for his glory. Thank you for the question. Here is a question from Donald. Pastor, how can we know for sure we're hearing from the Holy Spirit instead of other influences, including our own flesh? Donald, that's a really, really great question. But let me begin with, and I know this is a, I'm a one-string guitar when it comes to this. But if you want to know if you're hearing from the Holy Spirit, you've got to know your Bible. You've got to know your Bible. You cannot have a casual relationship with the Word of God and be confident that you're hearing from the Holy Spirit. First John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Brothers, test the spirits, because not every spirit is from God. And especially in these instances of God speaking to our heart. And I get criticized sometimes. People say, no, the only way God speaks to you is, is in his word. Well, that's the primary way. That's like the 95 plus percent way. But there are times when God wants us to respond to his leading, to his voice, and he'll speak to us by speaking to our heart. And those are the times when our faith is really, really tested. Do we really trust? Let me give you an example. In 2017, um, I had a heart problem that, that came up out of nowhere. 
And uh, they told me I had to have surgery. And, uh, you know, I'd never even been sick or in the hospital. So uh, it was my first time. And I was really nervous. And Paula, of course, was nervous for me. And I remember one day I'm out um, walking with the Lord. And, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, you're going to be okay. Don't worry about this. You're going to be okay. And uh, I, I remember, you know, I didn't want to give Paula false hope or anything. So I remember um, I, a couple of days go by and I said, well, Lord, should I share this with Paula? Uh, and, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke very clearly to Mary. He said, well, that depends. And I said, well, it depends on what? And he spoke to my heart again and he said, on whether or not you believe me. And so I knew that day I needed to go home and share that with Paula. And we did. And I was okay. And, and all of that was fine. But the reality is, you know, we can't be certain that it's not something that we're making up. It's not one of those noisy spirits in the world trying to derail us from being uh, in the will of God. Um, we can't know for sure unless we can test that spirit against the Word of God. And um, and God will let you know. I can tell you, Donald, for me personally, there have been, I was going to say 10 times, I don't know, it might be 15 or 20 times in my walk with the Lord, where the Lord spoke so clearly to my heart that I knew for sure that this was from the Lord. And, and, and there was no question in my mind about it. Uh, and it turned out in all of those cases that it was. I mean, uh, that's how we started a free school. That's how Paul and I, even before that, we came to San Antonio, Texas. The Lord spoke to my heart uh, one day when I was in prayer, giving me direction. Um, but but those are are more difficult to discern. And what I would do is look for confirmation in the Word. Uh, I have an ace in the hole. I mean, my biggest helper is Paula. If the Lord is speaking to my heart, uh, and I'm not sure, I have no problem going to Paula and saying, you know, Paula, I think this is from the Lord, but I'd like you to pray about it. I don't necessarily want to know her opinion. I want her to pray about it because the Lord will speak to her heart, and that's sort of a green light for me, and that, that means Paul and I can move, that, that we're in this together, and, uh, and, and we're in agreement. How can two walk together unless they agree to do so? So uh, you, just, you, you just need to test the spirits. And I also think, Donald, the more that you're in the Word, and the more you're, you're, you're praying, the more you're talking to Jesus, I think there's going to be a familiarity, not, a, not a, a complacent familiarity, but a familiarity that when you really know you've heard from God, um, then you're going to respond to that. Let me add one other thing. Um, something came up just this past week when uh, somebody's saying, well, God is speaking something to me and I've been sort of waiting for confirmation for a very long time and I think God gave me confirmation. Um, you know, one of the things that God will, will often do is he'll stop speaking to you if you're not being obedient with what he's telling you to do. I just think it's very important that we trust the Lord. And Donald, for me, and I've shared this with a lot of people. For me, if my heart is right with God, then I don't have to really worry about being right. And the reason I don't have to worry about being right is because God protects me. I've seen God stop me three times in the book of Acts. Paul wants to go into Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, in that area, and, and proclaim the gospel where it's never been proclaimed. He knew it was a burden that God put on his heart. It's something he wanted to do. And three times in the book of Acts, we're told that the Holy Spirit stopped him. God, if your heart is right, will stop you. Now, it was true that Paul did have a burden to go there, and he later would go, and the ministry there would be very successful. The, the church in Ephesus, the seven churches uh, that Jesus writes to in the book of Revelation, those are all churches in that area, and there was a, a door open of, of powerful, effective ministry. But God was was monitoring the timing and Paul wanted to go, but it wasn't time yet. God had other things he wanted Paul to do first. And God kept him from making a mistake. He's done that with me, Donald, a bunch of times. He's done that with me a bunch of times. 
and kept me from making mistakes. Now, I'm kind of in the same situation, Donald, that you're in uh, because we're about to make a big move here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Uh, we are, we've made an agreement on a, on a much larger building, five and a half times the size. Uh, and, you know, honestly, we don't have the money for that. We don't have the money for the construction, all the other stuff that that we need. I mean, it's going to be so expensive. Um, but we believe and have seen signs and confirming signs that this is what God wants us to do. So it's time, Donald, for us to hold our breath again and trust the Lord. But at this point, not to take a step of faith and do this, uh, I think, would be sin for us. That's how clear God has made it. So um, we've got a year left in our lease where we are, and we got to be somewhere else. Uh, and, and honestly, uh, we can't fit one more person in this place, Donald. So we believe that this is what God has done. He's just leading us and directing us uh, to, to, to take this move. Uh, can I be 100% sure? No. But that's what faith is all about. So, Donald, I hope that makes sense to you. God bless you. Keep searching. Be obedient to what you know God has spoken to you. And then God will be free to tell you some of the other things. Here's a question from Natalie. I don't understand why Jesus would say he would rather people be hot or cold than lukewarm. I understand hot, but isn't lukewarm better than cold? Um, Natalie, no, it's not better than cold because cold is honest. You know, the lukewarm Christian, and this is uh, what Jesus wrote to the church at Laodicea. Um, And he said, you know, you're lukewarm. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. In other words, uh, you make me sick is what he's saying. Now, he's not saying that in a pejorative sense. But what he's saying is, look, I want you to get on or get off. And I think Jesus would say that very same thing, Natalie, to a whole bunch of us. And what he's saying is, is, is this, the lukewarm Christian is not being honest. They're not being obedient. They're not being disobedient. They're just kind of hanging around. It's sort of like the, the, the parable of the talent where Jesus gave uh, a talent to somebody and the one guy buried his talent and did nothing with it uh, so he could return it to Jesus. It, it's like quenching the work the Spirit wants to do. And here's what he's saying. Look, if you're hot, that's great. That's great, I'll use you. If you're cold, at least you're being honest. You're not fooling yourself. You're not trying to fool others. Uh, That's just saying, look, I don't care what Jesus wants. I'm going to do what I want. Jesus says even that, in terms of being honest, is far better than the, the Christian or the church, in this particular case, who is lukewarm. You know, imagine a church going to church every Sunday um, uh, praising the Lord, they're going through all the motions, but Jesus knows that the church isn't committed to obedience. They're really not taking steps of faith. Um, the individual Christians at Laodicea uh, were, were were a poor witness because they weren't being faithful. They weren't being obedient. And Jesus said, "That's the Christian that really uh, makes him sick." Again, not in a pejorative sense. It it makes his heart sick. Because what he wants is for us to be all in or all out. And if we're honest enough to say, look, I don't care, Jesus. At least that way the Holy Spirit can deal with your heart because that is an honest heart. It's not a good heart, but it is at least an honest heart. And because it's an honest heart, then we can do something. 340-9585, Three four zero ninety five eighty five. I think we've got a couple of minutes left in this half of the program. Phones are quiet. I don't know whether it's summer or whether you all are just getting tired of hearing my voice. Here's a question from Jane. Jane says, what is my responsibility when people ask me for counsel? I am so glad you asked, Jane. Um, your responsibility is to give them the word, just the word. Be honest with them. Be honest in love. Tell them the truth, but give them the word of God. Not your opinions, not what you think God would want them to do, but to get in the word with them and then let them know this is what God says to do. And you know, when we counsel here, Jane, I um, I start most counseling sessions, um, especially if I don't know the people that well yet, I start most counseling sessions with this. You know, it's simple Whatever the problem is, God will fix it. But you've got to be obedient. 
And I can promise you, if you will agree to be obedient, then this problem will get better. And it'll get better pretty quickly. But if you don't want to be obedient, then the problem's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse even faster. And then I just give them the word. And when they have objections, well, what about this? What about this? No, no, no. This is about the word. God doesn't negotiate with us. He just gives us direction. So when they ask you for counsel, you give them the word. Jane, your opinion, as wonderful as I'm sure you are, your opinion means absolutely nothing and has no value. So give them the word. Then, Jane, your responsibility is to pray for them. When they've brought you into their confidence, your responsibility is to pray for them and pray consistently and pray faithfully and pray fervently for them. That's how important it is. One final thought. When people come to you for counsel, you've got to keep it to yourself. You can't share that with anybody. You don't go home and tell your husband or men. You don't go home and tell your wives what's going on. Um, when people come to you for counsel, you've got to be able to keep their secrets. That's so important. Otherwise, you betray the confidence that they put in you. That's very, very important. Thank you, Jane. We've got 30 minutes left in our Monday show, 340-9585 or toll-free 877 877- 630-KSLR. This is the word to stand on for life, the Monday edition. We will be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our Monday show, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a great question from Oscar. He says, my parents are very critical of my wife. How do I respond to them while still honoring my parents? Oscar, um, you don't say how old you and your wife are, how long you've been married, but this is so important. Um, Never, ever let somebody speak ill of your wife. Ever. Even and especially your parents. And at one point, some point, you've got to get to the place where you can sit down with your parents and say, look, this is my wife. Jesus has given her to me to, 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 to be a blessing to, 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 to lead her toward the Lord. And the first place I'm going to go is to you. I cannot ever allow you to speak ill of my wife again. You just can't do it. If you do, then we're going to have to cut off um, uh, visiting with you and spending time with you. And we don't want to do that. But you just can't say anything bad to or about my wife period. You know, um, husbands and wives are one flesh. And I've seen parents uh, try to tear uh, families apart, you know, a little bit. Sometimes they're doing it with knowledge. Other times, um, maybe they don't realize that's what they're doing. But you simply can't let anybody speak ill of your wife, Oscar. Not ever. Now, if they're saying something and um, and your your wife deserves the criticism. Well, that's for you to bring up with her, but but never let them challenge her. Never let them speak badly of her. Uh, she needs to know that you've got her covered, and you're honoring your parents by responding godly. Honoring your parents doesn't mean they can get away with whatever they want to get away with. Honoring your parents doesn't mean that they have undue influence. When you're married. The relationship between sons and daughters and their parents takes a second place um, behind the relationship between husband and wife. That becomes the primary relationship um, in the home, in the family. So that's how important it is. Just let them know that they're, they're crossing a line and you can't let them get away with that any longer. If they say, well, we raised you and, and uh, you know, we think this is what you say, Mom, Dad, if this keeps up, we will cut off contact with you until you repent and apologize. And be that direct. Say it nicely, say it calmly, but be that direct. 
Here is a question from Derek. He says, Pastor Ron, how is it possible that good people who have grown up in other religions, religious environments are not going to heaven? I have one friend in particular who is a great guy and sincerely believes that his religion is right. You know, Derek, people can sincerely believe that they're right and be completely wrong. And so, you know, religious beliefs, spiritual um, um, things that we believe, um, you know, that's not just an an endless choose whatever you want to believe and be sincere about it. The, The reality is, is everybody who claims to follow a God needs to be able to prove that the God they're following is God. Not only do they need to be able to do that, they're accountable to God to do that. You know, if, if somebody is a Muslim and they believe Allah is God, it's, it's uh, their responsibility to find out. And the fact that they were raised in that environment and it's all they've only believed, the same thing would be true with a Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, a Catholic, or, or, or anybody else. If they don't have the real Jesus, they're not saved. And it's our responsibility to tell them. Jesus said, Derek, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And imagine how hopeless it is to be following a God. I I, I use that in a little g-god sense. How hopeless it is to be following God who turns out not to be God at all. And so if they believe something in their life is God then what they've got to do is be able to prove that with evidence. And only Christians can do that. Only Jesus died for our sins. Jesus was a real historical person. He died. He didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. The evidence historically for that is overwhelming. The evidence for what he's done to change this world. Jesus Christ remains the most famous man to ever walk the earth with the longest and biggest impact of any historical figure. But the key is, the tomb was empty, and we know that he's God. So if somebody says, well, this is the way I was raised, we've got to be able, if we love him, and you said this is a great guy, he's a friend of yours, so you got to be able to say, look, it doesn't matter how sincere you are, but why do you believe that? Do you believe it just because that's the way you were raised? Have you ever checked to see if this God really is God? And then you need to exhort them. You need to find out. Because I can stand before you and tell you that I know that Jesus Christ is God. He proved it. Overwhelming evidence. He proved it. And that's how I know I'm going to heaven. And then if you take one more step and you can ask your friend, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And every other religion would say, well, I hope so, or I'm going to try real hard, but they don't know. Only the Holy Spirit, once he takes up residence in us, gives us that assurance, that confidence that what we believe is absolutely undeniably true. So, Derek, they go to hell because they reject Jesus Christ. Not because they're in a different religion, because they reject Jesus Christ. And only Jesus Christ paid the price for sins. And sin has always been the thing that has separated mankind from a holy, almighty God. The sin issue has to be dealt with. And only the blood of Jesus Christ, his life given for our lives, his life saves us. And no other religious leader ever can say that, nor do they make that claim. So I hope that makes a lot of sense to you. Um, Thank you, Derek. I appreciate it. These are important things. You know, we think, well, God would send somebody to hell. No, he makes it really hard for people to go to hell. So hard, in fact, I like to say we have to step over Jesus' dead and resurrected body to get there. Here is an anonymous question. Do I have any advice for a wife whose Christian husband spends endless hours on video games and YouTube videos? I really do, Anonymous. You and your husband need to go to counseling. Go to your church. Go to counseling. Tell them this is what the problem is. And uh, your husband needs to grow up. It's just that simple. We're not children anymore. We're not boys or young men anymore. Uh, when we get married, uh, and especially when we become parents, uh, we have a responsibility to act like grown men. 
And, uh, you know, video games, my goodness, you get married because you want a friend, because you want company, you want companionship, you want a partner. And if your wife has to stay outside because she doesn't want to participate in your video games or, or watch your YouTube videos, um, man, he's just got to grow up. This is a matter, uh, it's really important. It's not, not as benign as it might seem at first glance. Uh, this is a, a, an area where you really need counseling. And if the husband isn't willing to do it, well, then he needs to talk to a pastor or let have a pastor talk very directly to him about his responsibility as a husband. Now, if that happened in my counseling office, uh, Anonymous, and I uh, looked at a man and said, you know, your, your wife is alone. You married her to cherish her, to put her needs ahead of your own needs. And God chose her for you and and he chose you to be this person in her life and if you say well I don't think there's anything wrong with video games and in moderation there's not I'm not a video game person but in moderation there's not but this is a real problem and if he refused to do it I would flat out ask him well, well tell me about being born again what makes you think that you're a Christian and the answer that I would normally get is because well I was raised in church I've always been a Christian, but but a Christian is identified by their behavior, not by the words that come from their mouth. So I hope that makes sense to you. Get your church involved. Tell your husband that you want to go to counseling. If he refuses, tell him, okay, I'm going to go then. And then it would be the responsibility, once you make this issue known, it would be the responsibility of the pastors with whom you are counseling to approach your husband and bring them into uh, a conversation about uh, about this sin. And it is sin. It really is sin. So, men, grow up. Video games, I guess they're great, but they're for teenagers. In moderation there as well. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Arnold asks, when we die, do we just go to sleep until Jesus comes back? Arnold, 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the instant we die, these bodies give out, we instantly go into the presence of God. We don't just sleep. Um, In fact, we will never be more alive than at that instant. The body gives out, but the real you, the spirit that that is who you are, Arnold, um, instantly goes in the presence of Jesus. You will receive your glorified, physical, resurrected body. And you'll be glad to leave that old, tired body behind. But no, we don't just go to sleep. We instantly go into the presence of the Lord. Um, I know there are people that believe soul sleep and and, and silliness of a doctrine like that. Um, But it's, it's real clear that when we take our last breath here, um, instantly we take our first wonderful breath of real air in heaven in the presence of the Lord. Thank you for the question. Bill wants to know, how would you respond to someone who says that they're not religious, but they're spiritual? Bill, I actually get that response from people a lot. Well, I'm not a religious person, but I'm very spiritual. And I always ask them very directly, what do you mean by that? Explain to me what that looks like in your life. Well, I believe in a higher power. I believe in God. I believe in an afterlife. And that really opens a door to be able to talk to them uh, about what Jesus said. But, But Jesus said the only way to come to the Father is through him. That's not religion. It's through a relationship. Jesus forgives your sins. And sin has always been the thing that has separated you from God. And only Jesus can forgive them. And I've almost never had um, uh, a conversation not result um, by me asking them, uh, tell me what you mean by that. And I listen to them. I want to hear their explanation. Um, But they never have a good one, and they always want to leave the conversation, and I never let them off the hook. 340-9585 
I want them to leave the conversation with me knowing that if they reject Jesus Christ, then and only then can we be certain that they will never, ever be in heaven. And I want them to know that. They're accountable for that. You know, Paul, uh, in his um, missionary journeys, he says often, um, you know, in the past God overlooked your sins, or in the past uh, God uh, knew you were chasing these false idols, but in these last days he requires us to repent. So, Bill, just be very direct with them. What do you mean by that? And then whatever silly answer they come up with, no matter how sincerely they believe it, it's still silly. Whatever silly answer they come up with, you can absolutely blow holes in it. And usually the idea that I'm a spiritual person simply means, well, well, I'm aware of spiritual things, which makes them even more accountable. So what we want to do is want to be sure to let them know that now you're really accountable. From this point forward, you can't feign ignorance anymore. You've heard the truth, and Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's God the Son, and he's the only one that can allow you into heaven. So, Bill, appreciate the question. Thank you for listening. Adam wants to know if I recommend The Chosen. Yeah, I do, Adam. Um, But one of the things that we've got to do with, with The Chosen is we've got to realize what we're watching is not the Bible. Um, you know, The Chosen is much like uh, The Greatest Story Ever Told. Uh, I still enjoy watching The Greatest Story Ever Told. I really do. I think some of the characterizations in it are great. But the reality is, it's just a dramatic interpretation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And The Chosen does it wonderfully. Um, I've not seen any heresy. Um, uh, there are some things that concern me a little bit, um, but but I realize that there's dramatic license, um, and basically they're interpreting um, the the word with their with their dramatic presentation. And as long as it doesn't get so far off that you can't find your way back, I think it's really good, and I think it gives people. Um, the ability to to think about Jesus in a more up close and personal way. So I recommend it. I think I think they're they've got three complete seasons. Uh, I've watched all three seasons. And again, Adam, there's some things I don't like. I hated the characterization of Mary Magdalene. There was uh, part of the, her story is she backslid and went back to where she and and that kind of nonsense is uh, is I think a disservice to. Uh, the kind of character we know Mary Magdalene had, uh, the idea that Matthew is autistic or on the spectrum, uh, the autism spectrum, um, is is again silly and 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 really has no value in telling the story. Um, but but to me, the most grievous thing that they've done uh, when Jesus was going to give the Sermon on the Mount, um, they they portrayed Jesus as a guy who needed help putting the speech together, first of all, and then that he was practicing it, that he was really nervous. This was his big performance, and that he would practice it and practice it. We know that's simply not the case. Jesus uh, spoke what came from the Father's heart, and he knew that, and this wasn't something that he had to practice. He didn't have to consult anybody on he says, I only say what I hear my father say. He was simply repeating what the Spirit was telling came from his father in heaven. And and uh, I thought that diminished Jesus in a lot of people's eyes. I know in part, and I've read the explanation, they want Jesus to be more human. Um, but, but my biggest problem with the chosen is that we need Jesus to be more divine. We already make him human because we try to make him more and more like us. But beyond those things, and none of those things deal with the essentials of our faith, none of those things diminish the quality of the program, uh, diminish the the uh, source of encouragement that the program is, and as long as we remember we're not reading Bible, um, I think we're going to be safe. I think we're going to be okay, and I would recommend it in that context. Thank you, Adam. Dennis says... 
Uh, I'm 22 and feel called to be a pastor. I know it will take some time, but what should I be doing now to get ready? Dennis, I love this question. I love it so, so much. The first thing you should be doing is devouring your Bible. If you're really and truly called to be a pastor, you need to love your Bible. You need to, to, to need it more than your next breath. Devour the Word. It's the Word, the Word, the Word. Um, you've got to know it. You've got to hear the Lord speaking to you in it. Um, and, and, you know, I tell people all the time, when we're, especially when we're going through the book of Acts, when the people that are used by God in the early church, uh, one of the reasons that they're used is because every time they open their mouth, Bible comes out. So, Dennis, you've got to be thinking um, um, uh, from everything you see, everything you experience from the perspective of the Bible. So that's the first thing. The second thing you need to be doing is cultivating um, 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 a disciplined life in the sense that you're you're setting time aside for the Word, you're setting time aside to pray, um, you're 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 setting time to aside to, to seek the Lord's will for His timing and those kind of things. Then, Dennis, wherever it is you go to church, if there is a pastor there who is obviously filled with the Spirit and is somebody that that is uh, following Jesus Himself, um, attach yourself to the hip as much as possible. Attach yourself to His hip and serve. And then that'd be the final thing. In the church you attend, serve. If if, if your church has multiple services, we have three services on a Sunday. Uh, the people that come to me and say, I'm called to be a pastor, I tell them, then I better see your all three services on Sunday. I better see you here on a Friday or a Wednesday night. Um, because if you want to serve people, and that's what a pastor is, this is when the people are here. So you've got to be invested in the people. So, Dennis, I hope that makes sense. Thank you very, very much. Um, let's go to Greg from Bill uh, Bulverde on line one. Greg, thank you for calling. Hey, Pastor Ron. Uh, I'm glad you're on the radio. It's good to hear you all every day. I can. Thank you. Uh, so I just want to say, when I called last Thursday, um, Paula not only you know, blessed me with what she said, but she also encouraged me. Good. And because I can tell you, it's what God what the Holy Spirit told me that he's going to do in the natural, it's like, man, this is not possible. But I know he, he doesn't deal in the natural. He deals in the supernatural. And with him, all things are possible. Yep. So um, I'm just, uh, it's, it's, gonna, it's a big, it's a big thing. When it happens, it's going to be very big. And uh, any, any thoughts, any encouragement that you can, you know, give based on your experience with, God telling you things. Yeah, Greg, I can. One, you have to be very, very patient. I'll give you just one example, and I've got a call holding on line two. But, but one of the things, uh, you know, God gave me a, a burden uh, for um, Malta Medical. It's our free doctor's office. And uh, it was 12 years from the day God put that in my heart, and I knew it was him until uh, we opened the door at Malta Medical. So, so you have to be patient. You got to wait for the right people. You got to wait for the right timing, and you just can't. You know, sometimes we get so excited about something big that's going to happen. And what I've learned in my life is that the big things God does are made up with dozens and dozens and dozens of little things leading up to that point. And we get so um, impatient for the big thing to happen, and 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 really the thing is to be faithful in little things. So uh, just trust the Lord. It's supernatural. You don't have to figure it out, and he'll do it. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate it very, very much. Let's go to Michael in New Brumfels. Michael, thank you for holding. You're on the air. Father, uh, excuse me, Pastor Ron, I can barely hear you, but okay. I am calling from, from New Brumfels. I just wanted to say thank you for your word. I wanted to also tell you that I've been listening to you for about a year, and I heard you once challenge to go read the Bible, I did. I took your challenge. Turns out that the more I read it, the more the Holy Spirit moved me <laughs> to keep reading it. And I can't thank you enough. Oh, my I have just found a sense of cleansing. I found a sense of, uh, uh, I don't know, I just feel like the Holy Spirit has just touched me in so many ways. And you were the reason because I listened to what you said. 
And uh, there was times when you would say things, and I would say, I'm going to go check him. I'm going to go check him. So I would look to see if um, if that was really, did it really check out according to the Bible in the verse? And I could never find anything that you said that was not accurate. Uh of course, I'm a lay person. I'm not a. I'm not another pastor. I'm not formally trained by any means, but I, I just can't thank you enough. Thank you. Thank Michael. you. Please keep doing everything you're doing. You're touching so many souls. Thank and you, Michael. You thank made, you. Thank you. You, thank you made you. my week. God bless you. Thank you so much. Now, to everybody in the audience, that's the power of the living, active Word of God. Um, you know, one of the things I really feel the need to do is to challenge people. And uh, it doesn't matter. Michael said he's a layman. It doesn't matter. That's the beauty of our Bible. It meets you where you are and it will speak to your heart. And the process then is the Word of God and the Spirit of God working together will will make you more and more like Jesus every day. And, uh, and literally, it will transform your life. And there's no other source of that kind of transformation in this world. That's what Paul says to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the Bible is the only place for that. Michael, God bless you. Thank you very, very much. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 of the Word. Calvary Kids Bible School tomorrow at 9 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.